Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome everyone to The Distraction here on Fightful.com. I am Jeremy Lambert, joined as always by the rule, Joseph Holbert. Joe, how are you? I'm terrific. I think I've just remembered our last topic, Jeremy. When did Eddie Kingston sign for AEW? Um, last week. It's actually not been... A, like I'm right in saying we haven't recorded since then, correct? Yeah, I'm fairly positive we have. These weeks get slower. That may be a topic, <laughs> I don't know. Remind me about Eddie Kingston, there's still a bit there. I'm good, Jeremy. <laughs> uh, our topic list is now for a long editing session in which I definitely didn't just record a topic as we went on the air. Um, <laughs> I'm ready. Pepsi Max is full. I hear that you are going to be scoring the ball today. That's the rumours I hear. I'm here to space the floor and let you kick. That's what I want. That's all you do. Just, just run it, man. Run the offense, and you're taking over the game. First, I have to uh, get the the business side of things out of the way. Uh, there was no movie review podcast on Tuesday. That is a uh, very long and depressing topic. Honestly, we recorded our They Live review. Recorded it. Yes. Did about an hour on it. It was amazing. It was everything that you probably would not expect from this show, <laughs> at least from one end. From one end, it was everything you would expect. From another end, it was completely different. Uh, but the, the video got messed up. Some of the audio got messed up. I'm fairly positive I can salvage it and at least get the review portion out of it to post at some point. I just did not feel like dealing with it on Tuesday after finding out, like, all the technical stuff that went wrong. I threw my hands up and I said, I'm done. I'm not doing any more of this nonsense today. I'll work on it on the weekend. So at some point, we will have the, the lost episode of the distraction reviews they live. But that's why there was no uh, podcast or review on Tuesday. I even called Ricky Starks. I said, hey, can you do like 30 minutes or something? We don't have a show this week. And Ricky said, who are you? Like, no, I'm not doing this show with you anymore. I said, can you come review the Taylor Swift album with me? It's like, no, I'm not do I'm not here to just pop your ratings, Jeremy. It's not what I'm here for, you know? If you want to replace me, or if you want me in full time and replace Joseph, that's fine. I can do that for you. I'm not coming in just to pop your ratings. I said, no, 
I'm not replacing Joseph with you. I'm sorry. We're building towards the future. Yes. You know, I, I love you, Ricky, but you're you're the you're the attraction. You're the you're the on and off attraction. You're not the full time guy. That's not how you work. I know that. I know that, Ricky. So that didn't come to fruition either. That's why there was no show. But we're here on Thursday. We're here to talk wrestling. I guess I'm scoring the ball. I'm running the offense. Um, the game plan. I'm gonna yell at people on the court like Chris Paul and scare them. <laughs> Uh, what an amazing thing, by the way. We haven't really talked basketball. Let's talk basketball and piss off everybody who thinks we're, we're going to talk about wrestling on this show. Uh, Chris Paul just yells at everyone, and people are yeah. scared of this man. I don't blame them, Joe. You guys are actually like... <laughs> like I've, you know this, Jeremy. I'm not like here to do any bits or like, oh, uh, yeah, you guys suck. I'm not going to do any of that. I never am that way. And I've always enjoyed watching your team. But like I am now starting to take them like more seriously in an alarming way because I don't know where we go <laughs> if you like if you guys actually make the kind of noise that suddenly seems like feasible kind of oh my like I didn't watch the game last night so I don't know how seriously I should take that result it looks like the Lakers shot very very poorly but on a matchup sense looking at what you've got and who they've got to deal with it that free guard lineup man that's that's an interesting fall over seven games right. Yeah, we didn't even have Schroeder. We were missing Schroeder. He left the bubble because his uh, wife had their, their second kid. So, look, nobody wants it with Chris Paul. They, this man, this is a man on a minute. He's the reason we have basketball because he's the president True. of the NBA. And now he's like, I'm just going to win a title this year. This is my ultimate year. People doubted me. 0.2% chance to make the playoffs. I, I've saved the thunder. I've saved basketball. And to cap it all off, I'm just going to win this title. Like, nobody's stopping this man. Cannot wait. Let's get into wrestling. Yeah. Our first topic okay. of the day. What a transition that was. Our first topic. Mustafa Ali was on uh, the bump. The only, apparently, I'm the only person in the world that watches this show, and this is now my brand. Is that I watch the bump. Mustafa Ali was on the bump. Uh, he came back two, three weeks ago. We'll say three weeks ago. It doesn't really matter. He came back three weeks ago. Big surprise after not being on television all of 2020. Uh, penned MVP in a six-man tag match. The following week, he just tapped out the Bobby Lashley. And then this past week, he wasn't on television at all. So Ali was asked by uh, Caleb Braxton and is like, how do you adapt to the new landscape here on WWE Raw? And Ali is just like, I can't adapt without any opportunity. <laughs> he's just he's like, you know, I've got to be given a chance to do something. He pointed mm -hmm. out the, the stories that, you know, I, I haven't been able to tell any of these stories. There's the, the moment with Brock ruining money in the bank, the Kofi Mania moment that, that Orton ruined, because that was supposed to be him. Like, we haven't come back to any of this stuff. I haven't been able to do any of this. And he's like, I'm not bitter. I just want an opportunity. I want to go out there and, and tell my story and be showcased. And he even said, like, you know, there's guys like me, Ricochet, Cedric, we're going to be the, the future of this business. Like five years from now, they're counting on us to be at the top of this company. Why not invest in us right now? And like he made a lot of great points. He made a lot of points that other people have made who have been you know released. That They make it after they get released. Ali is making the, these points under WWE contract on a WWE platform. And usually, usually I throw the ball to you right here, Joe. But no, mm -hmm. look, I'm waving you off, waving you off. Go stand in the corner. Get, give me Steven Adams to come set my screen. Let me uh, manipulate the defense a little bit. Take my mid-range shot. Here's the thing with Ali. 
I think a lot of people feel this way of they he said I don't care about championships I don't even care about like wins and losses just let me go out there and create and tell a story and that's I feel what a lot of these guys want like this was FTR's complaint as well like, we don't care about these tag team titles just put some investment into the division and make it seem like this is an important thing like that's all Ali wants like you've got these stories built in right there and you don't do anything with, with this. I've said this a million times. I don't know if I've said this on the show. I've said it on tweets. I've said it to you. WWE, great creating moments. Just fantastic at being like, oh, Bailey wins Money in the Bank. Look at this moment. So great. They have no idea how they got to that moment. And they have no idea what they're doing after that moment. If it falls in the line afterwards, great. I, I, I tweeted two, three years from now, they'll give us like Ali and Randy Orton. Maybe. They'll give us Kofi and Ali, maybe. They'll give us Brock and Ali, probably not. But they can do these matches, and people will be like, long-term, long-term storytelling, they gave it to you. Look at this, two years ago, when Brock ruined Ali's chance at Money in the Bank, they're coming back to it now. All long-term storytelling. It's not. They have no idea what they're doing. and But they're great at creating those moments, and these guys just want to go out there and create their own moments, and actually have it make some sense joe your thoughts well firstly i felt like i was on the bum then because i was doing the head nod <laughs> they seem to do in every clip i've ever seen that show but anyway i um yeah so the the thing about the titles and the wins and the losses just to add to your examples gallows and anderson like gallows scoffed at the notion that the belts were like gonna make them happy like yeah. okay cool and ember moon who is vilified for not having a character, says at every possible opportunity, she just wants a chance to have a character. So, like, he's not alone, you're correct. There's even more examples. Um, look, man, this is a weird one because I think there's something to be said for wrestling is subjective, and if you give 10 people the book, they'll push five different people between them. You know, like, I think there's something to be said for that. Um, do I think Ali is a top guy? I don't know, and I don't think that's his point. What concerns me isn't so much like just him in, as an isolated case. It's that he named the, the following names you said. So that you said Cedric, Ricochet, and him, right? Yeah. I would add Apollo Crews to that, who waited like four years to get anything, right? And I think Alistair Black, we can also add to that group now, as someone that's just like, they're really of no use to Raw beyond give us a good 10-minute match, right? Would you agree? There's five baby faces there. Yeah. Um if Ali was struggling right now and they had got Alistair Black over as an absolute top guy or Ricochet over as an absolute top guy, I would say I don't agree with their talent assessment, but it seems they just don't get Ali, okay? The issue is they have got so few people in Ali's like generation over. It's alarming to me. Like, and I think that's the main point that people get lost when they go... So if, you, if you're watching this and you don't like... Um, stuff for Ali, that's fine. You know, everyone's got their own opinions, but it isn't about him as much as the whole system, right? Like that's the point here. Um, and I know everyone keeps saying, you know, new stars about Drew McIntyre. Drew's been in that system for an awful long time. Okay, like they're very aware of what he can and can't do. He's been, he was there a very, very long time ago. So he's not the same. Um, it's yes, it's not good. It's not good at all. And my takeaways is with baby faces. I mean, if you book. Um, promising baby faces through the lens of a fan that tunes in just to watch them, you will do a much better job of protecting those characters. If a kid falls in love with Mustafa Ali 
and that's the reason he wants to watch wrestling. You have given him not one thing to, to hang on to for what has it been, uh, Jeremy? Six months? <laughs> Something like that, right? Since yeah. he did anything? Yeah, he hasn't. Like, he was last on television uh, December. He was on SmackDown just teaming with, like, I think he was teaming with Chad Gable. Gable, yeah. Yeah. He's another one, too. Yeah. Right. So um, that's my problem, to be honest. I, I think there's a, a real issue with just elevating characters organically. I think they fell in love with the whole let's beat them until people care, which I think is like the most backwards. If there's one thing Daniel Bryan is bad for, it's that he was so great, he's convinced them they were good. <laughs> he's convinced them. He's so brilliant that he's convinced them they were the geniuses. They they cracked it. Like Let's just beat everyone that they like until they like them more and do hashtags and stuff. What an absurd way of getting baby faces over and like... Look, everyone knows that watches this that I love Bobby Lashley. I wouldn't have booked Lashley, Ali. There was no need to book it. I think Ember Moon, fantasy booking extraordinaire, suggested <laughs> that you could have had Ali beat uh, the two other guys in the Hurt Business, MVP and Shelton, you know, obviously once the US title thing was done. And then you could have had him and Lashley as a big match, and Lashley could have won, beating an Ali with some momentum behind him, I think was up for him. Which is just a simple suggestion, but like... It's a weird one to tackle because it's not just an RLE thing. And when people make it just an RLE thing, they're like just denying the actual truth of the story. He doesn't want a push. He literally wants time to connect with the audience. Because if he gets that time, he believes he'll earn the push. He will, as they say, Jeremy, step up to the plate. <laughs> but if you aren't allowed to tell any kind of story and your, your character is they give us good matches when we need them to fill our three-hour slot, I'm sorry, there's only so far you can step up. He's a massive victim of that because anyone that watched 205 knows like he can connect on a major level, but he can only do so much with what they're giving him, basically. Creative people want to create. I, I think that's yeah. the, the easiest way I can put yeah. it. And if you're just like, go out there, have a five-minute match, when the, the result doesn't really matter. Just go do that. Like That doesn't feel any type of creativity. Like Imagine mm -hmm. if... You know, Joe, you, you write features, fantastic features, slayer of wrestling features. Like, mm -hmm. imagine if, like, all right, you've got Joe Holbert on your roster to do features, and Sean just told you, hey, we need you to do something. Give us, like, a 200-word feature. Yeah. Just, like, that. that's all. That's all we need from you. Yeah. Just 200 words. Do a know. top five list. Yeah. Like, do, do a top five list, 200 words. Go. That Like, that. that's what you have to do. Like, yeah. all right, you're getting paid cool like it's the same as if you did your your regular feature but you're a creative mind that's not going to appeal to you like anybody who has that type of creativity i'm sure that's how they feel if you limit somebody's creative mind it it's just of course they're going to be frustrated of course they're going to be frustrated i understand you can't let these people go crazy because we've seen how that works for some people but there is a balance of all right Let's meet in the middle with stuff. I think New yeah. Day has found that balance, and they're like one of the very few of all mm -hmm. right. You can do what you want, but we've also we can't let you do everything you want because if you listen to their podcast, they have some off the wall ideas that would never fly on television. So, but there is a balance there, and New Day, wouldn't you know it, are like one of the most popular acts on the friggin' show because they actually are allowed to kind of do what they want and have that creativity. Yeah, I would also say, and I know you were speaking generally there, because I think that was that was our point, like, this is about the whole roster, the whole product. Yes. But in Ali's case, 
it is particularly frustrating because we have seen what he's like intention is as a babyface character because he's he got, was allowed to do it a lot on 205 and like the twitter posts he'll do you know the videos the cool production deal yeah um he's not trying anything like like he's literally just trying to get himself over as a babyface right <laughs> it would it would do no damage to monday night raw if you had a two minute ali vignette and you just left him to produce it and say his truth tell his story like the word even if you have no plans for him if you did two minutes of character stuff, it would make Lashley look better when he beat him last week. Like that is the lowest of effort, and that's still like way too much. And the other issue is, without getting caught in like the specifics of his circumstance, like are we just assuming the hacker thing was supposed to be him? Is that what we can guess? Yeah, imagine, that's, right? I don't think anybody has confirmed okay. that, but that's the rumor. I would just say that. I think there's a lot to be said for WWE's ability to produce, you know, in a non-pandemic world, what we're looking at now, like seven hours of live television, right? Like, it's it's, it's wild. Good on them. However, if you want to be taken seriously as a television show, you cannot do two months of an angle that then you just decide <laughs> is actually not good. I'm sorry, man. You can say that I'm being a whiner or a critic, whatever. I don't think I'm asking for a lot. When you commit that far down a certain direction. And if it was Ali, which I think we can all pretty safely assume it was based on the fact that that stopped and he's now a guy on Raw again, um, you've legitimately just taken away months of his time in which he could have just been a fun baby face that could have got over organically because you were planning saying you had no intention of finishing in the end. So that's infuriating. I mean, I could totally get why he'd be mad if that was the case. But yeah, it's, it's amazing to me that um, like this conversation... He's so easily dismissed when it's a guy who's just been released. Like, I think that's the idea that if you're a fan of the product, you can tell yourself that it's just the guys that got cut. Like no one in the locker room thinks the creative sucks. Like they're all like, man, this stuff's great. Come on, guys. Like we all know the reality of it, and there's not enough guys getting over because they're not given a chance to. Is the point? And Ali is one of the biggest victims of that, at least in the last couple of years. The character development thing as well. You you mentioned Ember, where like I don't know who Ember Moon is. What a shake. Yeah, apparently she doesn't either. I always use the example of, and this is when I listen to The Bump, uh, Alistair Black explaining his big character and stuff. Like, if you watch the television, you don't know who yeah. You don't know any of that. Ricochet yeah. is the same way. He's he's a superhuman or whatever. Okay, like, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Just because he does a bunch of cool flips? Like, like you can't just throw a uh, an adjective or a tagline or a, a nickname onto somebody and be like that's who they are like yeah that's it like no explain why they have this nickname like triple h you know we make fun of the the all the the nicknames and stuff he has that game promo though where he says like where he comes up with the i am the game promo that's yeah. very good that's a good promo and it's a oh this is how he got that nickname that's why he cares this much like they don't do that anymore yeah, I mean, that's why you need to trust the talent, though, but it's because, like, if whatever you think of the guys that run WWE, and I understand there's a lot of reasons to think one way or the other, but, like, no one can logically think for 80 characters a week. So you, when you trust the talent and they look after their own character and adjust the product accordingly, like, suggest stuff, and they're listened to and they're allowed to do their own thing a little bit, um, it makes the whole show better. Because you can't expect, like... I don't know how much Bruce Pritchard does, but if he's legitimately overseeing five hours of wrestling television a week, 
Like, he shouldn't be able to get who these characters are fully. But if the, if the person themselves knows, then they can tell the story better, right? Like, that's the biggest issue, I think, is that you either end up in a position where you're an Alistair Black who's, like, inventing his own lure just to <laughs> pop himself, or you're at a point where you're on Twitch saying, I don't even know what I am. Uh, and neither of those, Jeremy, I can confirm, is good. No. So, obviously, as you told me many, many months ago, the business has changed. And I'm aware we are probably never going to get like the full kind of 80s vignettes again, which sucks for everything we love about wrestling. However, it certainly feels like in terms of character, like just not even development, just defining who they are, it feels like they're, they're way off now. It really feels like they're weaker than ever in that sense. Let's talk about something they clearly have a plan for, and that is this faction retribution who showed wow. up on i could have really transitioned to any other topic we yeah. had and it would have worked uh on monday they were there to cause chaos joseph the the retribution mm. faction they they cut the power it was chalked up to an electrical storm or something uh the microphones were not working for certain segments uh boxes were tipped over joe i don't know if you saw that but my god mm. they they caused the scene by tipping over boxes in the back and then we had them throwing Molotov cocktails at a power generator. Where is this going? I don't know. My take was like, um, I was just left pondering who could be a game changer. Because from the outside looking in, this faction appears to be a lock to be like a trivia question answer in 20 years. Like, who's Who remembers the faction? Name three members of the faction that was brought to save ratings in 2020 during the <laughs> pandemic era before mysteriously vanishing within two months. I've got it was Donovan Dijakovic or whatever, you know. Like, I don't know. I I was just left thinking now, like, who could, like I'm not a big carrying cross guy, but if you'd have left him off NXT, and he was like brought in as part of a faction totally fresh, on look alone, you could probably convince people he's a top guy. Is there any other options, or is it all going to just be like, are we thinking it's going to be NXT guys? I guess is my question, Jeremy. It seems that way, and and here's the issue: if it is NXT guys, okay, I I don't know, but let let's say for argument's sake, it, because they've apparently changed their profile together, and there's a lot of speculation. Oh, it's them, Dajakovic and Tommaso Ciampa. These were these are two guys who just aren't really on NXT anymore. Uh, doesn't seem like they have a direction, whatever. Mm -hmm. And again, they, they changed their profile picture, so people think it, it's them. If they do that, like, what what is the purpose for them to do this? Like, why would they have... I'm sure they'll cut a promo and they'll explain, oh, you know, we've been left off NXT, now we're coming to ruin Raw and all this stuff. Like, why don't you ruin NXT? Because that's that's who yeah. left you off the show. Or why don't you go to SmackDown as well? Why, like, why is it just Raw that you're going after? Um, and like, it doesn't, it wouldn't fit their characters at all. The last we saw of Dijakovic, he was buddy, buddying with Keith Lee and Tommaso Ciampa is like supposed to be this big baby face, like the, the top baby face in it. Like it doesn't fit with what we've seen in NXT. You could yeah. do this like in FCW, like Rollins, Ambrose and, and Reigns weren't really the shield in FCW. Like they came yeah. up, they paired him up, but no one, no one saw FCW. So it's like, all right, yeah, you can call him up, pair him up. It's fine. Like, you're promoting NXT as a third brand. So, and everyone watches it. Well, 500,000 people watch it on the USA Network every Wednesday. So, we know who these people are. You can't just throw them under a mask now and be like, yep, they're aligned all of a sudden. Like, it doesn't, 
that doesn't make sense to me. And, you know, maybe it's not them. If it's not, cool. If it is people we just haven't seen before from NXT and they're going to use them, okay. But then you got to worry about, like, are they really going to push these people? You know, yeah. if this is just performance center training people we've never even seen on NXT, these guys are really going to be pushed. I mean, I would rather it be that, though. Like, I would have oh, yes. rather... Um, what's the new name for the main event villain that starred in the Raw Underground? Da- like, I would have rather it be built around him. And, like, I don't know how good or bad he is. I'm just saying there is something to be said for the guy who just turns up and he's like, what, who, when, why? Yeah. Like, it's like, like, Braun did that. Remember when Braun was the new Wyatt family guy? And it was just like, gee, he's massive. And that was all you needed to know. It's a simple wrestling thing that we see a lot of in our match of the week this week. <laughs> um, where, like, you just, you simplify the formula and it's like, he's a big guy, man. We're going to protect him and he's a big guy. But what I would say to your, like, kind of, um, your critique of the NXT, they've just got history of doing that. Like, Drew was a heroic babyface champion in NXT, and then he got called up as, like, Dolph's pal. Yeah. And Ruby Riot was, like, a, you know, a, a fiery babyface who came up as, like, a bitter heel with Liv Morgan, who was also a fiery babyface, and they were friends with Sarah Logan. <laughs> like, it's not a third brand. It's its own universe, if anything. And that's fine. I don't care. I don't watch it. But my point is that... It's banned forever, yeah. I just, like, it's not, I love factions. I'm a sucker for the faction thing. It's the. It's very TNA to be like, we need ratings faction. Like, it's, it's very, uh, but I do always enjoy generally the idea. It's just, I'm with you. Like, who, where are you looking? Because if it isn't just clean slate guys, and it's a guy like Champer, it's like, man, I don't know where, I don't know how you can convince the audience. I guess there's not an audience. Like, would they, how far would they go if Champ, this imagine Champ is the leader of this faction, Jeremy. How far would they go? Do we see Champ being like world champ? Or is this going to be something that just unravels real quick because they lose interest in it? That's, that's my concern. I think you could do him. See, they're not, I, I don't have faith they're putting the title on this guy. No. Um, I do yeah. think like, all right, Orton can win at SummerSlam. You can do Champa and Orton. You could just put the title on Champa. You could make Champa out of that feud. I have no faith that like they actually do that. And then you, but you don't want to sacrifice Champa and this big faction to just Orton as Orton's title reign, or even to like yeah. do, like if you're gonna do this, you do have to kind of go all the way with it. Like this was the problem with like Nexus is yeah. Nexus makes this big first impact. Everyone goes crazy. And then John Cena's like, yeah, I think I'm going over at SummerSlam, so sorry about you there. And then Nexus is just kind of kind of done with. Like, if you're going to do something like this and you're going to really present these guys as threats, you've got to go all in that they are actual threats. Because otherwise, no one takes them seriously or you cut them off right then. I think they screwed up this whole thing on Monday. I think they screwed it up by, by leaking it to, to Satin to begin with. And then they posted it. Yeah, we're shooting here. Where's the gunshots? There we go. It's on. It's on camera. Uh, they they screwed up by doing that, and then they screwed up by posting it on WWE.com and being like, "Oh, we're hearing about this new faction." And then they screwed up again by being like, "We yeah. found out their name is Retribution." Like, ha- what? Just have a little surprise there. Like, just have a little okay, surprise. I have something. I have something. <laughs> okay. What if Rich, and this is not me being joke. I'm, I'm being serious. I can. <laughs> what if it's Paul Heyman? Okay. Coming back 
to reclaim Monday Night Raw, and he can he can do all of his shoot stuff. And like, actually, because seriously, like, the audience that watches now, they would love Paul Heyman doing like the shoot promo thing. Yes. Would you agree with that? Yes. And if then you wouldn't even need Champ because he could probably make Dijakovic like an actual top heel, while Brock definitely doesn't want to work these shows, and <laughs> they know they shouldn't pay him to do these shows. Um, like I'm, if it's something where there's like a master plan. And you use like big bodies as the sort of, they're like the pawns on the chessboard. I'm cool with that. Uh, my issue is, I guess in some ways though, in the current, in the way things are set up, like I kind of do get if it's just a way to do a few months of different TV and then move on. I know it sounds terrible and I know it's frustrating for guys like us that watch, but man, they just need something to get them through here, right? Like Champer has said he doesn't want to be called up, but obviously in the PC era, it makes no difference. It could legit just be a plot point and like a vehicle to get through some months of TV with something that's exciting and different. What I will say, and I know we're going to get onto the underground thing, so I'll leave it here, but I, as silly as all that stuff was with the microphone and the technical difficulties, at least it made the show feel like alive in its own way. Do you know what I'm saying? Like it, yeah. At least it felt an element of like, I was flicking back and forth between that and the basketball. And like, I couldn't just skip full segments. I had to like check in every once in a while just to make sure nothing wild was happening. So... That was promising. Um, I just agree with you that I wouldn't have done any of the social media teases. Like I thought that was just it. Kind of it immediately sets you up to fail. Again, that's very TNA, right? It's the Dixie Carter. We have the game changing announcement. It's Tommy Dreamer. It's that thing. So um, sorry, Tommy. That was a personal <laughs> shot, Tommy Dreamer, for no reason. But I'm with you. I feel your concerns, but I think there are a couple interesting ways they can go with it, and I guess time will tell in that sense. Yeah, I don't have any faith in them. <laughs> I mean, why at this point? Okay, yeah, yeah. why? Uh, they did have Raw Underground. It is Shane McMahon's new shoot fighting ring that mm-hmm. he's running in the basement of the the performance center. I guess this was their. It was supposed to debut at ten o'clock. They debuted at like nine fifty-five, and they're doing shoot fights now, Joe. And it ended with the the hurt business. I guess now is running. Raw Underground, maybe that's a way to just get Shane off of television. What do you make of uh, Raw Underground? Honestly, I think the closing segment of Raw, and I'm not doing a bit, I promise. I think it's one of the best segments. I think it's one of the best segments they've done in this whole like era of wrestling, this whole pandemic PC thing. Um, what do I... My initial response was, oh my God, they're desperate. This is sad. Because it just seems that... I'm not going to do the camera cut point. I know it's been done to death. <laughs> But my God, it was like, give me a headache. Um, but when it went back and I saw um, Raymond Rowe, who's in WWE name, I'll never, ever get. I'll never, which one's Eric? Which one's I have? Oh, please help. That he's Eric. Eric was the one doing the shoot fights. Okay, thank you. He, when they did his one, then we saw Dolph later, and then we did the Hurt Business thing. I was like, okay, as a vehicle to do squash matches, Raw Underground is kind of awesome. Because if you sent Dolph to the ring to do a squash match in just the PC, I would have been like, turn this off immediately. Like, I have no interest in Dolph Ziggler doing a squash. But when you do it in that environment and it's like 30 seconds, it makes the wrestlers, like the star wrestlers, like badass and tough guys. And it also is just different in presentation. Then when you, I mean, the Hurt Business looked amazing in that segment. They looked like the coolest, toughest guys around, uh, which was a feat after the night they'd had, right? (laughs) So I can only be positive about it if it's used that way, if you're going to get over uh, Babatunde, whose name, again, yeah, 
If you're getting him over, if you're getting any guy over who needs a win, it's like this from the underground having killer guy. All for this. It looks different. It feels different. I would cut out, um, obviously, the camera cuts, goes about saying, but I would also remove the glossy raw replay animation <laughs> that they do when they're showing a highlight. I would not do that. But I thought it was a fun, like, a little idea. I mean, it's a three-hour show, man. As much variety as you can get in terms of presentation, I think try it. I'm not uh, negative on this at all. I think it's actually a step forward, and at least they're trying something. I was ready to be negative on it after the first segment where Shane yeah. was just like, we're all underground, we're doing fights, here's Dabakato just beating dudes up, and I was like, what? what is this going to accomplish? Um, having Eric there helped, having Ziggler there helped, I thought the final segment was fantastic, where the Hurt Business yes. comes in there, takes it over. You know, we'll see where they go from here. Let's see how it plays out, Joseph. Uh, I think you, you can have a bunch of different ideas of how the Hurt Business is now is now running this, betting on fights, guys wanting to, you know, do some fights, girls wanting to do some fights as well. Like, the idea is there. Again, they, they've beaten me down so much of just, like... <laughs> This no optimism. Yeah, no, I don't have a whole lot of optimism just because I've yeah. seen them have good ideas before that just lead to nothing. So I'm a little skeptical on that point. But overall, for a debut thing, I did think it was good. One complaint I have is like you present Dolph Ziggler as like a shoot fighter now, and then he's gotta go back to like doing wrestling matches. That's gonna be yeah. a little bit weird. Yeah, the one thing I would say, and I, I you know, it's this is not a concept that if you just pitched it to me, I'd be like, brilliant. Like, it's not my thing. I mean, anyone that's watched this knows the MMA, like, blend stuff isn't really for me. I will say, though, that framing it as um, not no rules, very li- with very few rules, I think, is the official term they use, and there's no ropes. Like, you can conceivably suggest that the guys wrestle differently because of the environment. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, at least it wasn't a brawl for where it was like, this is the real stuff. Like, that would have been terrible. It was more, this is how pro wrestlers would handle a fight against just a wild man that wants to fight in a ring with no ropes. Is the way that, like, like I get you, and Dolph was thinking about this before, like, all of his matches, should be, he should always start matches with him being pure wrestling Dolph. Right? Yeah. Obviously, he should. Um but generally speaking, I thought they did a good job of just being like, this is a different kind of match. Match. Like, if they go too far into this is the real stuff and then they cut back to fake wrestling matches, that's terrible. But I think they make a lot of errors, but I trust them to avoid that much at least. Because that's very like... Um, that's uh, very uh, optimistic of you to is. trust them with anything. I just, to me, that's like, um, that's a very Russo play was the whole brawl for all like, the real thing, and it's guys throwing you know, terrible punches at each other in bad boxing matches. I think you can get away with this as just a cool way to do squashes. But you need to be careful with the presentation, because otherwise it makes the rest of the show look so phony and like overly glossy. So it's all a matter of how you walk that line. The biggest concern, Jeremy, is that we've just spent five minutes talking about this, and they do it like four more weeks and together and forever. <laughs> And that is a real concern. The idea itself, I think, is pretty harmless, to be honest. That's a super concern because, again, they're great at great at giving you the moment. They have no idea what they're doing after. Yeah. We got Raw Underground. Great. How long is this actually going to last? I think, look, as a vehicle for squashes, I agree with you. It's good. Like, 
yeah. instead of just throwing Dolph out there against some random do something like this. Where they got to be a little uh, cautious here is like, all right, you can't do like Ziggler against, I know Gable's on a different show, but like you can't do Ziggler and Gable in this like mm-hmm. raw underground type setting and then try to throw them out there in wrestling matches. And then, okay, well, why are they doing shooting off the ropes and stuff? I, I don't yeah. know if that if that works. My play would be, I'm going to fantasy book here, Jeremy. You know I did that Paul Heyman faction in the last segment of this show? Yes. When the time is ready, and in 12 years we are back in arenas, <laughs> Bob Lashley has destroyed everyone in the Royal Underground, and then Paulie dangerously hijacks, and in comes Brock Lesnar. <laughs> To, put, to Raw Underground to face Bobby Lashley. And finally, Bob will no longer have to say in interviews, I came here to wrestle Brock Lesnar. Please just let me wrestle with him before I fight shit Congo and Bellator. <laughs> just, just can we do everything I just said? Do that, okay? And then I'll, I'll forever allow this segment in wrestling history. But would, I don't think it will make it that far. So wouldn't it know. actually be amazing if like Raw Underground and this faction were just tied together into like a Paul yes. Heyman? type thing like i don't know yeah. if that's i don't know if that's good or bad but at least it shows there was some thought into both of these things of like mm-hmm. yeah I, i'm trying to destroy raw i've paid Th- this is the other thing is you've got shane mcmahon it is storming out there i'm very afraid my power is gonna go out um oh. we you've got shane mcmahon who's just like raw underground all right you know like yeah. who why is this a thing I, I couldn't get just like some type of explanation from him of being like, I'm banned. You know, last time you saw me, I got banned from SmackDown. Here I am on Raw. Got this new concept. Uh, I funded it with my own money or something. It's ta- it's unsanctioned. Like, I couldn't just get, like, some type of two-minute explanation as to why no. this is being run. <laughs> of course. I told you earlier that babyfaces can't cut promos or produce <laughs> vignettes. Of course they're not going to have Shane explain himself. Like, they just threw you into it. Look, it was ratings play, and it was probably, like, a last-minute Shane had an idea, and they just said... Okay. And that, Shane's honestly, had this idea this for like point, 20 years. Exactly. Yeah, and at this point, I'm fine with that. I, here's the thing, man. Wacky ideas are better than no ideas. Yeah. Because well. WWE's product is very like... If I was to define the last 20 years of their product, it would be it's very safe. And like, it's solid without ever kind of wowing you one way or the other. And the last couple of years, I'm delighted to announce, they're veering <laughs> into, oh my God, this is insane, what's happening? And that's good for our podcast. So big thumbs up. In all regards on that. I like that Shane, who's legitimately pitched this idea for like 20 years, because he wanted to like yes. buy the UFC when uh, Dana and everybody bought it, I believe. Shane has just been like doing this, doing it like, come on, let me do let me do some MMA fights. Let me do MMA fights. 20 and Vince finally during a pandemic as the ratings are down to 1.6 okay. million is like, yeah. all right, Shane, like, you know that idea you talk to me about every single day for the last two decades? Now's the time, buddy. Now's the time. Yeah. I'll go a step further. What if Shane has been doing in Royal Underground for 20 years? There's been an underground fight bit, and this is the first time they've ever let cameras in. They're like, finally, Shane, just take the camera, okay? Take the camera. Before they, this, he just did it on his own back. I don't know. The problem is they gave him too many cameras. They did. They should have just had yeah. one camera in there. Such a strange choice. I know it's a cliche, like, complaint, 
But it's, when you're trying to produce something, it's supposed to be gritty. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. It looks relatively gritty until that moment. Why? Well, who's how does no one just be like, can we avoid maybe fifty percent of these cards, please? <laughs> I don't know. At this point it's almost not even worth talking about, but it's just wild to me. Uh, one thing that has come from the mind of Bray Wyatt, he has kidnapped, I guess, or killed Alexa Bliss on Raw. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, yes. <laughs> That really happened, yeah. It was so amazing about the shot of you saying that while the lighting flared off you. That was incredible. <laughs> I thought I was watching a horror film. Um, yeah, that's... Sure. Uh, yeah, he appeared at the end of uh, SmackDown and uh, did yes. the mandible claw to her. Joe, I feel like we're getting close to you banning SmackDown from this show. No, no, I've done a 180 on the Bray Wyatt. I said <laughs> a few weeks ago we had a real discussion. I think it was off air. And I... I said to you, I was like, do you know the Swamp Fight won the WWE Twitter match poll of the night? Poll <laughs> match of the night, that's what I was going to say. And I was like, oh, I can't believe this. And then Bray nearly killed Alexa, or did kill, we don't know yet, as of this recording. We don't know if Bray's dead or alive yet. Exactly, which is a much uh, lesser concern <laughs> in my mind. Um, this, I believe, has done like 3 million views on YouTube. And according to my statistics, was at one point out-trending the new Beyonce video. Uh, to which I would say, we are actually wrong. And Bray Wyatt is actually the guy who understands the WWE audience like, infinitely better than we do. Like, I can't stress to you enough how wrong I am. And I've only realised it over... Like, for example, okay, when you say to me, Grand Metalik versus AJ Starters, I say, oh man, that sounds awesome. You say, Drew Gulak versus AJ. I say, oh man, that's awesome. <laughs> Then I watched the match, and the match could be anyone versus AJ Styles because the, the formula is exactly the same. It means nothing. Bray Wyatt is doing actual wacky WWF character things, and their audience is into it. Do I, as a fan of Alexa and Nikki, want to see them like entangled and twined into the whole Braun and Bray thing? Not really. I don't, okay? But... They're, they're so, um, and I'm not saying it's a criticism. I know it is a criticism, but please stick with me, fans, okay? I did just say fans. I was talking about WWE fans, not fans <laughs> of the podcast. Okay? They are not good at doing matches that mean something. They are not good at making me care about the result of a match that I can easily tell the result of. They are not good at allowing very good wrestlers to just do their thing. What they are very good at is doing insane, ridiculous things like this segment, in which they basically shot a horror movie tribute to close SmackDown. 
There's what they did here. And their audience loved it. And to that I say, good, because I thought it was a cool angle. I thought Brand Lex were great. The lighting and stuff is a cool character. Like, I've got to say this to you, the fiend, a friend of mine who used to watch wrestling, the only thing he's asked me about in wrestling for years is, who is this clown that's killing everyone? <laughs> the only thing, Bray gets it, we were wrong all along, now apologise, Jeremy. This is where they totally screwed up the booking for The Fiend and Goldberg is what they should have done is they should have had Santa slay Goldberg come out and and just actually murder him. Uh, You know, stab him, stab him with a a knife. However, he killed a bunch of people in that movie. That's what they should have done with this. Wow, is that all you're you're offering for this segment? Yeah. He produces a a, a film, a masterpiece, and you come back with Santa slay references. You should be ashamed of yourself, Jeremy. Look, that's all I've got. That's all I've got. You reviewed this on SmackDown, right? On the SmackDown review? I did. I did review this. Was you very excited, Jeremy? I thought it was good. Like, I really... It was good. Yeah, Yeah, I agree. I really thought it was good. Um, I didn't didn't have an issue with it. I thought it was a a good touch to the end of the show. You didn't know if he was going to be like, all right, is he going to kidnap her, welcome her Mm -hmm. into the Wyatt family? And just like, no, I'm going to shove my fingers down your throat. Um, So I I thought it was a a good angle. Um, I mean, you know, it's the lore brought out. I'm with you that Bray just... He gets what's going on with the WWE audience. He does. 100%. Um, he, he's like, all right, let's just do this wacky stuff. And people just, they seem to love it. Uh, you know, a lot of people we follow on Twitter, a lot of the, the wrestling purists are just like, this is all stupid. I tweeted it last night. I was like, you just have to smile at how absurd wrestling is, honestly. Like, yeah. it, it, it's an absurd, absurd entertainment and sports vehicle. Yeah, and there's, like, I think people get mad at me sometimes with this. I'm not saying that, like, serious wrestling's better than this. I'm just saying that WWE needs to embrace what they're good at, historically. And that is, like, outlandish characters that could fit in in, like, a comic book. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. this character nails that. Um, I, I'm not doing a bit here, Jeremy. I'm being serious. I honestly think they're missing a trick if they don't go all in with the Bray Alexa stuff. Like, I think they should actually make Alexa... Like, to me, tomorrow night on SmackDown, Bray should introduce a new co-host to the Firefly Funhouse, and it should be Alexa with one of those sweaters on doing the funny voice. Like, I'm all in on it. I think that's their best shot at actually getting, like, any kind of traction with their audience. Because people were talking about this... Like, I was almost in awe of the reaction it got. So, to me, it would almost be a waste if it's literally just like, okay, Braun's now back to get... I mean, I assume what will happen is Braun will come back and Alexa will then betray Braun and join uh, King Bray. Because Bray's lo- winning the belt here, right? Bray's winning the belt at some point. Braun hasn't. Not, they have nothing for Braun at this juncture. I would assume, I would definitely assume Bray is winning the belt. Yeah. Let's move on to uh, AEW last night. Eric Bischoff returned to TNT. He was the moderator for Chris Jericho and Orange Cassidy. Joseph, take a victory lap, take a smile, whatever you want to do. This, look, you're in the corner. I'm passing you the ball here. You know, you can you can take the three. You can, if the, the guy closes out, drive, hold on to it, ISO, whatever you want to do, this is your time. Thank you, Jeremy. I appreciate that. This is a big moment for me. Um, and I think anyone right now that is wondering, hmm, why would Joe like Eric Bischoff? 
Well, wait until the next segment when we review our match of the week, and you'll know that you should all like Eric Bischoff because Eric Bischoff is awesome. Okay, I'm a big Bischoff guy to a fault, even when I know it makes me like an idiot. Um, and in this case, though, Jeremy, I think it's I got this correct, did I not? This was a nice cameo, uh, a, 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 a sort of pay of respect, a tribute to a very influential fella um, that had been made a fool of by a company I will not name that may have flown him across the country to do a job they had no interest in him doing. And here he was in all his glory, back on the TNT, back with the Tony Schiavone talking about him. Uh, and he did. He was just like a piece of it. He wasn't the focus of the segment. It was a little nod and a tribute, and I thought it was cool. It was. I was definitely the audience for this segment, and I enjoyed it very much. What I will say is, the segment itself was like an actual hit. This is the closest Orange Cassidy has come to convincing me that he's like a genuine, sustainable top guy. So, to me, when it ended, the talking point was him, and that was a, a job well done. I think Bischoff was just there as like, hey, that's cool, Bischoff on TNT, it's been 20 years. And that's all it needed to be, I think. I was worried when the initial... We got into a fight over this through we text did. messages. Uh, and then you, you put it out there on Twitter that, yeah. that we had legitimate heat, which we did. But, yeah. you know, couldn't just keep that. You're supposed to keep these things no. in the locker room, pal. Like, you don't no. have to go I told to the Sean sheets. To, I said to Sean, I said, put it on select, <laughs> scoop. Lambert and Holbert have got heat. That's what I, was, I said. I've leaked to many, but Carol. I, I was concerned that it was going to be more than just like a one-off thing. I mm. I thought that this was going to be like a big deal of Eric Bischoff's coming in. We're going to have him for, for more. He's going to keep doing stuff. Uh, I thought he might overshadow uh, the segment, things like that. I, I was I was a little concerned. I didn't think it was necessary, I guess. Like, all right, why, like, why do you need Eric Bischoff here? Like, you talk about being an alternative, being fresh. Like, you don't need to do this WCW callback just because you're on TNT. It was a nice moment. I'm very Aww. happy. I'm very happy for you and and the rest of uh, Team Elite that they were able to get this TNT moment out there with yeah. Eric. He was good. He came out. He played his role. Didn't get in anybody's way. I'm with you. I thought Orange Cassidy was the star of this. I thought Jericho was very good at what mm. he needed to do. And it seems like it's just a one-off. Bischoff won't be back. I don't even mind if you do bring him back for stuff like this. I'm not okay. saying don't do this every week. Don't even do it every month. But if you want to do it every couple of months or every every quarter, every half month, uh, not half month, I'm just half texting, year. Just texting Tony Khan saying we have the all clear. <laughs> all clear offer a contract. Okay. Uh, I, I, I think it was cool. It was Honestly, people really overanalyze some of this stuff. Yes. And I agree with you on the point of like, like for example, and this seems mean because I'm picking one person out, but like Vicky Guerrero to me is a case of like, that's, it feels very like, I hate the WWE reject thing, but because it's an act that they did on WWE TV for so long, and like when it ended, we were all ready for it to end, I think that's fair to say. Not in a bad way, just didn't run its course. Like that to me feels a little like a second rate. I am, have a longer leash than you with the legends that manage, which is no diss to Vicky, but she is not on Anderson or Jake Roberts. <laughs> I think that's cool because we haven't seen those guys really do it on national TV, manage like that. So, but I still get your complaint. But to me, moments like it's a cool moments. I went with that phrase there. Bad idea. But <laughs> they are cool. Like it was, a, it was a nice touch. And let's be honest, we have to be real about this. Tony Khan isn't hiding any of this from us. He said he like analyzed and studied 
WCW Nitro. So the influence is there. It's definitely what they're shooting for as far as atmosphere and environment. Like they want it to do have that kind of party feel that Nitro did. And Bischoff, look, for all of his flaws and all of his critics, he is he was a game changer in wrestling television. So I thought it was nice to kind of shine that light on him rather than being like, look at this loser that lost the war, let's make a fool of him. Like, I just thought it was a nice touch. Um, AEW was very match heavy, but I would say this week the matches hit a lot more than last. Would you agree? I thought the the multi-man match. First off, do you know how long Bischoff was like on top of, of the wrestling world? Um, 45 years, if you okay. count today. Yep. <laughs> All right, 45 years. That should, that's what they should rename the podcast to. Yes. Um, Would well, Jim Ross's podcast plug not do it for you? Do you want me to do it too? <laughs> Look, Jim Ross's first call of a historic figure walking out was, A three weeks, folks. A three weeks. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Thanks, Jim. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm with you. You carry on. That was Jim Ross's second night. He'd already sounded checked out last Wednesday, which was live. Yes. To make him go back-to-back like that, because they recorded it last Thursday, Jim Ross just wanted nothing to do with that show. 12-man tag <laughs> opener as well. 12-man tag. It's like they're ribbing him. Yeah. That match was, like, much better than it could... It was much better than the 10-man yeah. last week. Like, it had more structure and everything to it. Um, so that was much... Yeah, the matches were good. Uh, I can't say I remember too much from the show i got yelled at for being too negative about the show because i apparently sent like three tweets and they were all negative and so aew fans were in my dms wanting to like fight me like watch watch nxt if you if you're so negative about aew (laughs) take that jeremy look i think darby and mox was pretty great that false finish was very good that was very good Um, is it time that we like be honest about how great the elite trio is even if not everyone cares about them because i think it's pretty obvious why this multi-man was better than last week's oh, right like yes. the bucks are and i'll put kenny with them in this sense like they are genius at laying out these ridiculous matches that should never work the finish to that match was so great with yeah. all of the cult all of the, uh, brody's cult pulling them out while brody just like destroyed hangman with one click like, it was it was very good. I liked it very much. I can't think what else, what else happened. Oh, Santana and Ortiz uh, they're destroyed doing a minivan. They're doing something. Yeah. I'm certain of it. Because I'm tired of them losing. Yeah, but did you notice that they were talking on commentary about um, they haven't been ranked for a while? And like they, the, 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 the segment after where they smashed up um, uh, a Sue, is the, is the correct name, right? Yes. It was poor Sue, uh, her, her van. That was very sad. Um, but it seems they're doing something where they get more serious. I don't know if Kingston will be a vehicle in that or not. I don't know. But AEW is good. NXT is banned, so I have no comment on its competition. But I do agree with our audience, Jeremy, that if you want to be a hater, okay, <laughs> want to be a hater, you should go over to the USA Network. That's all. We're on the USA Network Wednesdays True. at 8. So... What did we do this week? <laughs> Technical like... difficulties. <laughs> Are we, do we just go off the air when there's a storm leave one of our players? Oh, that's it. Show NXT highlights. I don't know. Apparently on BT Sport, NXT opened with like, we're not airing this program in light of recent events. So I don't know what that was all about, but this is a real thing. Like it didn't come on air until like 15 minutes after the start time. Man, them BT viewing figures are very sad. Like I... I have, my take was, we're going way off on tangent now, but still, 
my take was that like BT has less uh, potential viewership, but I thought they would get behind the brand well enough. They would like make up the difference. Does that make sense? Because Sky had kind of like they'd forgotten, even they had WWE. It was like who cares? BT, I think, have done a really good job, and people just don't watch the shows live. Like, and I get it, right? You don't need to at this point. It's just so easy. One of WWE's biggest flaws, and I know this is the AEW topic, but who cares? One of their biggest flaws is they're so good at social media. I know exactly what happens on Raw without watching the show. Like, I literally can just scroll through their feed and be like, okay, cool, I've got it. I think that hurts them, man, because YouTube and Twitter is more than enough to follow that product, right? 100%. This is when viewership was declining two years ago, maybe a year and a half, when they wouldn't put the segments up on YouTube until after the show yeah. was over. And they're like, this will increase ratings. It's just like, no, that's <laughs> not, no, that's yes. not what's going on here. Like I'm, I'm waiting for them to just be like, we're not even going to tweet about this show. Like if you want to know mm. what's going on, you got to actually watch this show. You cannot follow this show through social media, at least our official social media accounts. Yeah. It's hard, though, because like, obviously it's a compliment to them how good they do it. Like We spoke about AEW, and you were talking about how uh, Matt Cardona is going to coach the guys on how to post gifts <laughs> and stuff, which I really appreciate. But like, they're so good at it that I'm, I'm genuinely telling you that there are times where like, I know what happened in a segment and I have no interest in watching it. Like I'm like, yep, I've got it. So what was you talking about AEW? It was a good show. Eric Bischoff was there. I liked it. Yeah. Uh, let's <laughs> let's keep going with Eric Bischoff here. Our retro review of the week this was my pick one of my favorite matches of all time wcw uncensored 1996 the alliance to end hulkamania arn anderson rick flair dungeon of doom the solution the z gangsta the ultimate solution sorry yes yes. z gangsta against hulk hogan and macho man randy savage joe tell, tell the people how great this match was I didn't want to get to the match yet. Did you see the intro to this pay-per-view? No, I didn't watch the intro to this pay-per-view. The first thing that you hear and see is Arn Anderson. And it is like a slow-mo shot of Arn kind of promo. And it's like diagonal across the screen. And you hear, these are the exact quote of the first words you hear on this pay-per-view from Arn Anderson. Doomsday will be your last day, Hogan. You want a last meal? You better hurry up and order. <laughs> that is on and then it cuts to Kevin Sullivan who is like just screaming doomsday doomsday and I was like this is perfect um, then we get to the ring and every let me just say this okay I understand everyone says oh JR and Law are the best commentary team there are no free voices I want to hear more <laughs> than Tony Bobby and Dusty it is like they're commentating on their own and we're just stringing the audio together right like there's no links and there's one point where Buff is doing his big intro, which costs all this money, and Dusty just decides, like, I've had enough. I just want to talk over Bruce, <laughs> like Michael Buffer. He just starts talking over it, and there's a great moment where where Buffer does this whole intro, and he, he says, Z Gangster, and immediately Dusty just goes, The Gangster. And Bobby's like, Z Gangster, Z. And he's like, no, I said that. I said it. I promise I said it. There is also a good one from Buffer where he says, and I quote, introducing Ming, he, he says that Ming howls from some unknown part of the planet. Direct quote from my Papa here. Uh, Arn is dressed for war. Uh, Pillman is not there. Why were they showing a line Pillman not being there? Because he actually wasn't around, right? Or was this when they thought he was going to come back and he just worked them and didn't come back? He came one back later in the year, right? 
I think so. I think he's gone now, right? Isn't this um, when he like convinces yeah, Eric to release? Yeah, yeah. Um, my timeline <laughs> I is, is, uh... is. I think this is when he's like, "Yeah, Eric, release me, and we can like work a shoot angle." And he just goes, <laughs> "Okay, I'm off to WWF." I think that's what happens here. Um, I have more just announcer quotes. Do you know what this match was for? The official title of this match, or like what was on the line here? Yeah, just to end Hulkamania. No. It. No. Okay. Tonight, this is while Savage and Hogan are coming out. He says, "Tonight, their honor." Their glory is on the line. <laughs> so big stakes. I mean, this was big time. Yeah, this was big time. My main takeaway, and I'm going to pull the curtain back here. Jeremy and I are planning a revolutionary new TW series. Yes. And my main takeaway is I looked at this visually. Was like, <laughs> we need to book this. And w- once you guys hear the concept of what we're going to do, it's even better. Just looking at this with all the scaff up, like it is extraordinary, isn't it? Visually, it's a masterpiece. Yeah. Would you agree? Yeah. People talk about like the triple cage that WCW did, and that's another uh, yes. something that I just love. But like this was the the predecessor to that. This was a triple cage. <laughs> it just you know it was yes. all it wasn't you know the cages didn't get smaller. It, they were all the the same size here. Um, I, I love this because the visual is so amazing. I like that yes. Arn. Yeah, he's ready for war. I just think Arn was like, look, I ain't rubbing my body against the this chain link fence and all yeah. of this stuff like I'm later just... he has his gear right? yeah when he's not up there he's like okay fine now i'll get the trunk yeah which is awesome um I, the best thing about this is like they build this structure but nothing's actually happening right? no like, they're just having like this nothing brawl <laughs> and at this point like shivani just decides that because they have nothing to call they're just gonna like start congratulating themselves on what they've done <laughs> And Shivani's like, this is why we're number one. And Bobby's like, yep, number one. This is I've never seen anything like this. They just start congratulating themselves on how brilliant and genius this all is. <laughs> Meanwhile, Hogan just like throws punches and guys slowly fall to the side of the cage. It's it's just remarkable to me. They went to all this. They went that far on concepts. And then when it came to do the match, it was like there was not one idea between all twelve of them. There was not one good idea of what they were going to do in the match. Well, they, I mean, Hogan had his powder. They had to blind people. So the gist, I don't know the actual rules of this match because Tony is like, they got to make it down to a lower level and escape the cage. And then they make it to the second level and Hogan and Sullivan are just brawling outside the cage. And then they just go to the actual, so this isn't taking place like at the ring. This is off to like, at the front of the entrance they just brawl to the ring like it's so they've escaped the cage everything i love when they tease like sullivan and hogan falling off that scaffolding oh, as like they ain't taking that bump <laughs> they, yeah. Yeah, neither of those when, men are falling look sullivan like staggers over and shivani is like he looks <laughs> like he's watching a murder scene yeah. he sounds like it. he's like oh and there's, there's some great stuff in here okay the best one i think is when dusty like he explains that if you have a chain link fence, you should lay it on the ground and just lay on top of it, and you will understand the agony these men are experiencing. <laughs> and the others, like Tony and Bobby, have no idea what to even make of this, as he like advises the audience to just damage themselves on their own fence, which is glorious. Um, what about when they get to the second tier? So they use the powder gal tier one, which is Arn and Rick, right? Yeah. The second tier, at one point, Hogan like Irish whips Luger. And Luger just starts like running the ropes from one side <laughs> of the cage to the other. Luger, by the way, look, I'm a like guy who thinks Lex gets too much like criticism and stick from his peers. He's so checked out of this. Oh yeah. I mean, we'll get to the finish. <laughs> what he does at the finish of the match is like borderline. You can't defend it. It's, it's as bad as it gets. Um, 
What about, what about when you mentioned Sullivan and Hogan brought into ringside? What about when Hogan, like, kidnaps Michael Buffer to get his microphone? Did you see this? He just launches, he grabs Michael Buffer, steals his microphone, and hits Sullivan over the head with it. Like, <laughs> you would think you could just, like, ask Buffer. And he's like, hey, yes. can I get your microphone? No, Maybe Hogan... Buffer's a heel. Eh? I don't know. Maybe he's Dungeon of Doom. Look, Hogan's in the middle of a war here. They're trying to end Hulkamania, yes. okay? He can't just be like, I let me take time, ask 20 questions to see who's on my side or not. He's got He's got shit to do. I think it's amazing that Hogan, as like ultimate babyface, always will somehow act like a dick. <laughs> like it was like the longest term booking ever when he turned heel because he's always basically a dick. Like he basically leaves Savage on his own in tier two, doesn't he? He's yeah. like, I'm gonna just fight Kevin Sullivan. You deal with all those actual tough guys. Here's Kevin Sullivan. I'm gonna beat him up. Um, yeah, there's some amazing stuff. It Bobby Heenan is so. Like, he's doing such a bad job of hiding his own lack of interest in this, and I admire that. At one point, he says, I've never seen a fight like this in my life, which is definitely, like, movie poster level. <laughs> it fits for this. Um, there and then, of course, Jeremy, and this is the bit I think you were most excited for, we get the ultimate solution and Z Gangster. Yeah. Who make their arrival, and Tony Schiavone is like, he's just, he can't fathom it. He says, the party has been crashed. I see no fun in this. <laughs> In a, in a match in which you've built scaffolding for a cage match, Shivani is upset there's not fun taking place. I don't know what he put her going for here. But how excited were you to see Z Gangster? It was great to see Z Gangster, Zeus, back on TV. Um, I like that you mentioned the commentary, how Bobby was kind of checked out. He, uh, yes. Shivani was just kind of, he was trying to make the most sense of it as good. Dusty just does the Dusty thing where he just screams about everything so it's amazing i didn't realize how much i just missed dusty Rhodes screaming about shit on commentary Dude. until hogan and flair are just like throwing punches like flair's chopping them and hogan rips his shirt and dusty is like get him yeah hulk hulk and up baby hulk and up baby this team whenever i click a baby and i see these three men i'm just like i know the wrestling purist but oh god they're gonna get lot. I just think they're so glorious and so fun <laughs> that one of my highlights isn't even a Dusty, and it was when, like, you know, because Bobby always does the great thing where he hates Hogan, yeah. right? And, like, he'll always, when the hills get control, he's always, in, like, so happy they're about to finally end Hulkamania. <laughs> and Bobby says, that while they're, like, four on two, he goes, does it get any better than this? And Tony Schiavone replies, it does not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's just amazing. But one thing I will say, man, He's like, there's a point, once they get into the final cage um, and you have the big stare down with Z Gangster and the Ultimate Solution <laughs> and Hogan and the Ultimate Solution just like lock up, which is amazing in itself. The crowd like erupts in Hogan chants. Yeah. Like how was they still into this? I didn't even know they could see what was happening at the top of the That, that was uh, another point is I didn't know how the crowd watches. I assume on like a big screen i assume they yeah. had it on a big screen a jumbotron whatever because unless you were right there near the entrance you weren't seeing any of this and even if you were there's cage and stuff in the way so i just don't yes. know how many people uh saw this but yes i noticed this at the finish but definitely when they they got back to the after they went to the actual ring went back to the cage ring uh yeah the crowd goes crazy and then then the finish like when when hogan and savage win they just pop huge and it's just like yes. they didn't do anything this match was a mess you couldn't see half of it but like they know their guys won and they're just like this rule this was the greatest match ever 
it's that not only is that insane, it's insane that this is three months before the NWO. And if yeah. you watch Bischoff analyze his Monday Night War success, and I love Eric Bischoff, okay, <laughs> but this is the truth. He's like, I spent 50 years analyzing Monday Night Raw, and I came up with the idea that we need serious, logical, <laughs> believable characters. And it's like, you put on Uncensored 97, and it's like, oh man, like, this is not... The NWO really, I know that we, like, it's one of those acts that gets so much celebration and it's used so much that it becomes tiresome. But seriously, I think we sometimes take for granted how much it changed this promotion because this is, like, this is late 80s, mid 80s stuff taking place in 1996. By the way, Jeremy, I have a, I have a stat nugget for you. As you know, the Booty Man, also known as the Disciple, also known as Bruce Bob Beefcake, and many other names. He is involved in this finish, isn't he, with the frying pans? Yes. Do you know what he did on this show before the main event? Um, I know at some point. So he was the barber. Or he's the booty man at this point. I don't he's know. the booty. Okay. Booty man. Was he wrestle? Did he wrestle Page on this show? Yes. Okay. Yes. Would you like to know how long that match went? The booty man versus ninety six DDP, who is not yet hit really. Look, I've I've actually watched this full show a handful of times. I, I swear it was like a 13-minute match. 16 minutes. Oh, my 16, God. So even longer than I thought. Only is top by Booker T and Sting yeah. versus... And we know about this. We spoke about it. It's the one with the split camera yes. deal, right? With, with Hawk and Animal, which went 29 minutes. That match went forever. I remember why, when I watched this full show, I was like, oh, my God, this match is still going on. Why are the frying pans... <laughs> that's all you find backstage you just found frying pans I just this is glorious man <laughs> I, I'm not even doing a bit here I know I just went off about the night, the uh, Bray Wyatt thing and about how it's like actually good it's not my thing in the same way I feel sorry for someone that watches this and is like oh man that sucks like imagine actually hating this Jeremy this, this is beautiful this is art this is I think when I sent my tweet last night of like you just gotta sit back and smile at just how like absurd pro wrestling yeah. is like it was after i watched this match for our review because <laughs> this whole match is absurd it's a yes. mess but like i said like the crowd just they're into it they go crazy at the finish and i just couldn't imagine like trying to do this now and just how like everyone would just be like this is this is god awful what what is happening yeah. with this but back then it's just like they look hogan and savage we we talked about uh, stars on a podcast that no one will ever hear. These guys were just they were stars. Yeah. Like they people didn't matter what they did. It's just like we love these guys. One hundred percent. It's wild. I mean, the finish. Um, okay, let's just get so the frying pans happen, and then Lex comes in with a loaded glove, right? Made famous by Sean Spears. Yes, factual. And he, uh, Ric Flair. He's holding Savage in position yeah. to get hit by the loaded glove. And Lex, like, throws a punch, stops. Savage ducks. He looks at his hand, looks at Rick, <laughs> looks at his hand, throws a punch. Like, I can't remember. Was this a babyface turn? Or it was just a straight? Like, did they shoot an angle to make up for this finish? Because it was a straight bodge, I think, right? It was an error. Yeah. I don't remember if this was a turn. Because what did, what did Luger do after this? I... Yeah, my timeline is all messed up. I'm always thinking, is, like, 1995 Lex Luger. And he's is this not time. when he goes into the stuff with Sting where he's, like, he's a dick, but Sting doesn't realize? Like when yeah. Sting's not looking, he'll be, like, being a dick to the fans, and then Sting turns around and he's like, high fives. <laughs> That's the best Luger stuff. 
We need to review lots of Luger stuff. <laughs> we do need to review more Lex Luger stuff. I've said this for yeah. a long time, um, like a week. Uh, yeah, I didn't know what was going on with this finish because you're right. He he holds Savage, or like he doesn't he doesn't hold Savage. Flair has Savage, and Luger winds up punches, stops Savage ducks. Stop. Then he grabs Ric Flair, and then he throws the punch. Like he literally grabs this man head, yeah. the, his head after Savage has moved. It's and, a then, <laughs> and then Hogan leaves the cage. Yeah. And Savage thinks to win the match, you have to leave the cage, which I think he's correct. Yeah. But for some reason, Hogan then, like, tells him to do a pin. And Ric Flair is just, like, dead in the middle of the ring. Like, he's, just, <laughs> he's been punched by Lex Luger. And everyone watches while Savage then runs back to pin Ric Flair. Um, this is... I love I loved that nice. bit because, yeah, Shivani is explaining early in the match. He's like... You got to get down to the end of the, you know, you got to go down all the levels and you win by like going out of the cage and stuff. And of course, in the middle of the match, they've already gone out of the cage. Like they, yeah. it's just, they're fighting oh. around the ringsides. So it's like, okay, did they win? And then they go back to the cage. Yeah, they're about to leave. And then Hogan or Savage, whoever makes the call, I think you're right. It was Hogan is like a pen him. Savage just jumps in, gets the pen. <laughs> Somebody made the call of just like, we got to have like a pinfall here. Because if we just escape, it looks so good. Yeah, it yeah. looks it doesn't look good. So whoever made that call on the fly, kudos to them because it look, they got the big pop, like I said. Uh, <laughs> this match Amazing. rules. I needed more Z Gangsta and Ultimate Solution. They they were a little uh, you know, they only kinda did the, the one bit at the end. I needed a little bit more from them. My other favorite part is like they're in the ring at the end and it's just Flair, Arn the gangsta and ultimate solution getting hit with these yeah. frying pans like what happened and then i guess lex comes in at the end like where was ming barbarian soul they just give up yeah they're just like they respected it. the rules enough. they're like they beat our tip um there's something glorious and beautiful about the fact that on a team that featured on anderson rick flair ming barbarian like the big hitters was Z Gangster and the Ultimate Solution. Yeah. But that is the way that when they walk out, Heenan's like, game over. <laughs> he's like, he's like, headsets down, folks. It's a wrap. Like, oh man, this is peak. I, I feel bad for people that can't enjoy this stuff. This is the wrestling's peak, right? This is like, it's dumb enough that you can enjoy it on that level. But once you start thinking about it, it becomes even more insane because then you realize the amount of planning that went into this concept. <laughs> Like they think about how much. Like, look at this. Wait, look at what they've set up here, and then think about how little thought went into the actual match, and you're left like in awe of Eric <laughs> And that's what we should all be at, in awe of what this man. And I guess Sullivan. In fairness to Kevin Sullivan, I think he was trying to work within the parameters given to him. Right? I think I'm going to give him that much. Bischoff, just four marks. I mean, this is <laughs> this is amazing. Incredible sight. Bischoff is great. It's just like coming up with these like weird wacky concepts and bless them i love that stuff i mean i'll bet he has a 30 minute explanation of why he did this on his podcast and you'd listen to it and be like man sounds like genius i love it (laughs) like he did it with um you know the monster truck monster truck battle Battle? monster truck battle that's it monster truck battle easier for tony shawny say than me (laughs) that seems like the dumbest match ever and he did like this cerebral explanation he was like you know, the Hot Wheels were really in back then. We signed a marketing deal to sell our own ones. It was just a way of spot. And I was like, oh, this was genius. I was wrong for 24 hours. <laughs> <laughs> he, he convinced me, but it is actually bad. And by actually bad, I mean awesome, and everyone should be doing this stuff. 
wacky stuff is good for podcasting, Jeremy. Yeah. Speaking of such. All right. What do we got for next week, Joe? You know I like to be timely with these, right? Yes. I'm, you picked time, a match from 1989. It's time. Yeah, exactly. It's time for me to change your world, Jeremy. New Blood Rising 2000. Oh, my God. Which took place on August 13th, 2000, which is exactly 20 years ago by the time of next week's episode. And we will be watching the match in which Kevin Nash takes on Bill Goldberg and Scott Steiner. A match in which the angle is that one participant won't do the job. <laughs> that, my friends, is next week's match of the week. I I can't wait for this. Um, that's yes. another match that I've seen far too often because I've reviewed yes. New Blood Rising uh, in full before. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. I'm excited. I love that we can just like watch old WCW stuff for for this podcast because old WCW stuff rules. I don't care what anyone says. It. Re- by the way, one thing to know: if people that watch along on these, I don't know why you do, but if you do. <laughs> Note the decline in Shivani's optimism from what we reviewed this week to next, because that man has seen a lot by the time four years pass, and it will show. Trust me, it will show, because I've heard those shows. I've seen them like Jeremy has. It's obvious that Tony is like, please, can this company just die out and let me leave now? Please, anything. But yeah, it's going to be good. All right, everybody. That'll be next week. We'll be back on Saturday with uh, the TEW series. King of Kings is on Saturday. I think Joseph will agree. That is my creative peak when it comes to uh, the TEW series. I throw a lot of things at the wall. All of them stuck because they're just all crazy and and fantastic ideas. So that's on Saturday. Uh, Next Tuesday, we're reviewing... I forgot the name of it. It's Kurt Angle, Sid Vicious, and Kevin Nash. Under something. Under the river. Hang on, I'm going to get this because I've just realized that no one saw our other announcement. Yeah, River of Darkness, it's something like that, right? I think you're correct, but I will make sure, I believe it is. The yes, Hunt is, is on. River of Darkness, The Hunt is on. Yeah. Yes, correct, Jeremy. All right, so that's what we're reviewing next Tuesday, assuming we don't have more technical issues. Um, and then we'll be back next Thursday with a new show, talking all the wrestling. Joe, let the people know all about the features that you're writing this week and where they can follow you on Twitter. They are actually going to be here soon. There are going to be features. SummerSlam is now my focus. I wish they would book some interesting matches. But nonetheless, <laughs> I will do SummerSlam features. Um, suggest some if you want. Dominic. Uh, no Dominic. There will no, no Dominic. No Natalia if she somehow ends up on this show. Because <laughs> I've seen people having fun with that. I will not play your game. Okay? Serious suggestions. Dominic. Will be noted unless they reference a Monday Night Messiah or a wrestler I regularly say I dislike on this podcast. Other than that, clean slates. That takes out about 90% of the roster. <laughs> uh, you can follow me on Twitter at JeremyLambert88. Uh, check out Fightful.com. we got a bunch of stuff up there. Sign up to Fightful Select. We will talk to everybody on Saturday. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding. 
or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.